I have been anxiously awaiting uh, this series of messages all about Jesus. Now, some of us have been in church for a long time, and some of us, uh, this is the first go. So let me say hello to everybody at all locations, especially those online trying to figure out if we're a cult before you ever show up somewhere. Uh, We are not a cult, just laying that out there, Uh, but we are a church who's passionate about Jesus. And this whole series that we're talking about for a while now is, uh, is going to be about, like, who is he really? Like, like who is Jesus? Not just, like, like, the nice guy. And when you think about just whether you believe in Jesus as your personal Savior, your Lord, we'll talk about that in this series. But just the name of Jesus, well, at least maybe you could just say the people you work with might use his name differently. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay, you, you smash your thumb or your toe. And the name of Jesus is screamed out. I, I think some of you are like, no, that's like in our home, not our work. Okay, but many of us are familiar with it if, if you get news that you're shocked by or, or you encounter pain to some part of your body. Jesus' name is, is yelled out. You can call that cursing or saying his name in vain or whatever, but it's saying his name. And I find it odd that Jesus in particular has been used for a long time as to talk about something negative. I mean, if you're going to yell something out because you're physically hurt, can we think of something bad to say in replacement of Jesus' name, like, like New England Patriots? Can, can, we just, can we all start a movement now? Uh, the majority, 99% of us hate them, so let's just change it. Let's, let's just start doing it. People will think you're weird at first, but actually going to be like, that's a good idea. Some of you are not sports fans. So uh, maybe lima beans or whatever. I, just you, think about this. Whatever you believe in Jesus, his name, just his name, is used globally. All different reasons. But what makes Jesus such a big deal? I mean, it's funny to think about other negative words we can't say, but those words aren't being said. The name of Jesus is, which should bring you and I into like, what's the big deal about who Jesus is? And we're going to talk about that. So this whole series is going to be rooted in this. And, and I want to walk you through because he's more than a, a moral teacher. Uh, he, he's more than a nice guy. He's more than like just something special. He's more than just a religious figure. In fact, if you'll give your time to, to these series of messages, I think if you're interested, you can become a Christian who truly knows about the Christ part of Christian. So I hope you'll give it time. I, I did a lot of studying on, on, on what has been put together historically about Jesus. I mean, there's people who have assembled not just stuff in the Bible, but historical um, documenters who were like, okay, historians going, okay, we don't know what we think about Jesus, but we're going to document what's going on around the time of him. And you have all of these scholars putting all this together, and they say it much better than I do. So I want to bring some of this up. Here's one of the scholars that addresses this whole conversation about, like, who is Jesus? Regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. I mean, you can try to argue it, but you would be wrong. It is is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars. 
It's by his name that millions curse, and it is by his name that millions pray. Whatever you think about him, I dare you to listen to what is even said about him. I mean, he, he said things, but I want to go at the whole idea that people wrestled with who Jesus was even when he was walking the earth. In fact, if you want to know, like, why did they actually take a nice guy, and, a good moral teacher, if that's the, and why did they end up killing him? Like, it seems like he didn't do anything, like, crazy bad. Like, what, what, what pushed it to that? Because they wrestled with if what he was saying was the truth. Let me, let me take you to the Bible, and, and we'll go through some of this. Uh, then Pilate, i got to stop, just if you've never read the Bible, totally fine, welcome. Uh, Pilate uh, was the, the governor, I mean, I'm, governor is official term, but I like to say governor of, of the area. He was high power, high authority, the big dog on campus kind of guy. He knew secrets, like government secrets. He was the guy in, fully in charge. And uh, all of a sudden, he's got in front of him, do we kill this Jesus guy? Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. I find it fascinating, the guy that's supposed to know everything, you got me? Are you the king of the Jews? Yeah. In other words, hey, I'm not quite sure who you are. I'm wrestling with who you are. If you've ever studied the, the, the moments of Jesus being uh, put on trial and eventually being crucified, all that, it's amazing you begin to see all of these different people saying a lot of different things about Jesus. There were people who said that he was flat out just a heretic saying crazy stuff. There were people going, maybe you're king of a, of a group of people. I wonder what you think about Jesus. Is he just a religious figure or more? In fact, let's go to his words. This should mess with some of us. This is, this is Jesus talking to a group of people. Uh, Father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. Now, again, you're like, so what, right? Um, um, Abraham lived a lot earlier than Jesus lived. Uh, they did not live at the same time as people would have understood. So here's the reaction. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. You need to know when you read the Bible, you need, to, you need to read it that way. You need to put some inflection in it. It's not supposed to be boring. It's supposed to powerfully move you. And they're saying, say what? You were, you were hanging out with Abraham. Abraham was hanging out with you. Um, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Now, if you read the Bible, you're like, that's horrible English. I don't even understand what that says. I am? Who says that? I, mean, I am what? Jesus is putting something on the table that grossly offended the people listening. He's like, I, I am. And let me, let me bring this together uh, much earlier than this moment, God asked a guy named Moses to help free some slaves from slavery. Uh, there's multiple movies made about it. If you're like, I've heard that name. Yeah, multiple movies, but it's really started, it, it really happens in the Bible. And, and watch what God said to, to Moses. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. If you're not connecting the dots, I would like the privilege to do so. Um, God said, I am. 
Jesus said, I am. Jesus just said he was God. I, I thought we might need to see a little bit more like, Whoa, let's, let's see some, some more here. The Father and I are one. This is, this is Jesus. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. If you want to know how intense this was, for anyone to say that they are God, I mean, nowadays, if someone says that they're God, what do we do? Uh, we admit them to something, and we put them away. I mean, I'm, I, it's what we do, right? You, you, you call them crazy. You call them something. But when someone says, hey, guess what, everybody? I'm God. I know, I know some of us might work or live with people who behave like they are. But when you claim that you are God, back then, you just got killed. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? For which of the good works? They replied, we're stoning you, not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. I don't know what you've ever been taught about Jesus. Some of us have been taught or just on our own assumed that Jesus was a sidekick of God's. That he was just a guy doing a little bit of God's work. And you needed to see, I think you actually needed to see this, that Jesus himself said, hey everybody, I'm God, and it got him killed. So if he says he's God, was there any proof? Well, there's, he did some... Uh, I mean, he did some God-like things. Um, if you don't know what he did while Jesus was walking up, there was one instance where there was, they estimate over 15,000 people didn't have food, weren't able to eat that day. So Jesus doesn't steal a kid's lunch. They have a good interaction, and he gets a kid's lunch. I think that's important to just bring up. He didn't steal the lunch. Uh, but he took the lunch, the kid's lunch, just one, uh, one kid's lunch, and Jesus took the one kid's lunch and was like, hey, this will feed all of us. Can you imagine the disciples and the people around him like, this better work. Because if it doesn't, we're all going home. So he takes lunch. If you don't know the story, many, of us, many, many people find it profound that that lunch, Jesus multiplied and it ended up feeding over 15,000 people with that lunch. And we missed something very powerful at the end that there were baskets of leftovers. Sometimes you're like, 15,000 people seems too big for us to think about, right? Well, here, uh, there's about 12 baskets of leftovers. Uh, that's, that, just the leftovers were more than where they started. Try that one at home. Jesus, at other moments, uh, would encounter many sick people. When I say sick people, I'm not talking like just a simple cold. People with incurable diseases. There was no medicine. In fact, many of them were so sick that they were ostracized from society because people didn't want to get what they had. Jesus would encounter them incurable diseases and actually heal their diseases. They went from, I am going to die because of what I have, and now completely free of it. People who couldn't walk, people who were blind. Jesus would walk up and say, you can walk now, you can see now. You know, there's a moment where Jesus walks on water. Again, if you struggle with, you know, Jesus said he was God and he walked on water. Go try to walk on water. Make sure you're close to shore. But he, he walked on water. There's documentation. It's a big deal. There was no sandbar, no ice underneath. No, there was no magic show. He walked on water. And multiple people saw this happen. My favorite, by the way. 
if you care. Is it one of his friends, Jesus' friends? Lazarus, he died. And, and he was put to, put to rest, as we would say, in four days. Four days after he died. If you don't know the significance of this, in Jewish culture, uh, once that third day landed, it was completely over. If you want to know the significance of Jesus coming back to life on the third day, it helps you understand Jewish culture. If, if it didn't happen on the third day or by the third day, go home, stop mourning, you're done, nothing's going to change. The fourth day, Jesus shows up. They tell him he's too late, by the way. So here's what he does. He walks up and he's like, hey, Lazarus, again, you imagine this moment. Jesus is talking to what everyone else believes to be a dead man, right? And he is. But Jesus says, hey, Lazarus, come on out. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. I don't know if you've ever wondered what happened to Lazarus afterwards. You're like, so what did he do the rest of his life? <laughs> well, we, we know what he did with the rest of his life. He went everywhere he possibly could to tell people who Jesus was. In fact, we can now track that the spread of the good news about Jesus was partly due to a guy named Lazarus who kept telling the story I just told you that he was like, I was literally dead. He was in his burial clothes. Can you imagine going after him, telling your own story? He'd be like, I'm not talking. Dude was dead. Jesus did a lot of God-like things, and, I, and perhaps for many of us, we're like, that's good enough for me. I'm good. He did the supernatural. I'm locked in. But see, it's not those things that got Jesus killed, and it's not those things that are actually all that controversial. And when you talk about Jesus being this divine something, right? Well, I'll show you what plays out. This is, this is the controversy there was a moment where some guys put their friend in front of Jesus. Their friend was paralyzed, as it says in this verse. And, and their goal was very simple. They had heard the news that Jesus could take a paralyzed person and make him walk. Totally heal him. So they rip, they rip out the roof, which whatever. Uh, drop him down and their, old, their whole goal was, hey, make, make him walk. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child. Some of you are like, you're, like, you're no longer paralyzed, right? Well, he deals with that, but, but my child, your sins are forgiven. If you want to know, if you've never been told this, if you want to know what got Jesus killed, it was that kind of stuff. Because they were accustomed to prophets and people of God healing people and seeing the miraculous. But when someone steps up and says, hey, you've got sins, you have an eternity problem, and I can resolve that for you, that's when people were picking up stones and going, you're going to die for that because only God can do that. What's your view of Jesus? Here's what I think Jesus was getting at in his whole, here, your whole eternity depends on what you believe about Jesus. This is what Jesus would tell us right now. Your whole eternity actually is, is hinging. What you, what you think about, 
life after death, what you think about just life now and the fullness of life, the true source of joy and peace, it all hinges on this, what you actually believe about Jesus, what's locked into your soul. And many of us have said, Jesus is a good guy, moral teacher, nice rabbi, and a good religious figure. Okay. I think it's more. Let's go back to the scholars who know how to assemble history and, and piece things together for us and say things. No, no man can read the simple and evidently truthful records which we have in the four gospels of Christ. Now let me just stop for a second because we're kind of a church. We assume nothing. If you're at gospels, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me tell you this. We get almost all that we know about Jesus from what's called the gospels. It's in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's four books in the Bible. If you open up your Bible, if you have a paper one, you go down the middle and then you turn to the right and you'll get to four books that talk about Jesus, his life. It's called gospels because it means the good news. That's what translating good news about Jesus. No man can read the simple and evidently truthful records which we have in the good news about Jesus uh, in the four gospels of Christ's ways and words without being forced to the conclusion. Hmm. Most of us don't like to be forced to a conclusion. That here we have not only a man, but one who, while a real man, was something more than a man. What do you believe about Jesus? Was he just a man, a good man, a religious figure? What do you believe about Jesus? Because it is a big, stinking deal. One of my favorite places in all of the Bible that spells out who Jesus really is, it's in Colossians. Let me read it to you. It's, it's a long one, but it's worth, it's worth it. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Love that part. Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. We're talking about Jesus. Do not miss it, we're talking about Jesus. You got me? We're talking about Jesus? You're like, yep, haven't changed the subject. We haven't been like, now we're talking about something. No, we're talking about Jesus. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Stop. Let me help us. There are things you can't see. You're welcome. It'll mess with you, doesn't it? There are things you can't see. There, there are battles going on that you can't see. If you've ever walked into a moment where just the moment felt like it was dark, but the lights didn't actually change, and you begin to be in, even in a circumstance, a season, a storm, where you're like, man, this is weighty and big, and I don't know what's all going on. You feel almost attacked. You can't see everything. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. I struggle with people who say they hate the church. Yes, people, yes, people are a part of the church and make up the church, and the church is not perfect. Some of you want to write that down. As a leader of a church, the church is not perfect. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. 
God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Here, look, some of us just love for me to get to the point, so I'll get to the point. Jesus is God. Not a sidekick. He's God. I wonder what you believe about Jesus. Jesus is God. And that is not something I have just put together and assembled and said, I am now going to preach something that's brand new. <laughs> this has been around for a long time and what I find to be a travesty in church collectively is we don't often build our faith on this and it ought to be. This is why this series about who is Jesus is built on this subject. Jesus is God. It's not new, I can prove it to you. Um, I can prove it to you, uh, let me show you a, a fish, right? I mean, I don't know if you, you probably have seen this. Some of you have it on your vehicles, in your houses, tattooed on your bodies, whatever. For those of you who have it tattooed and you're like, is he about to say this is bad? Oh no, oh no, oh no. It's still fresh. No, I'm not gonna say it's bad. In fact, in fact, this is actually very good, but I want you to know the full understanding so that if you believe Jesus is God, if you're willing to take that leap of faith, you need to know you ain't alone. You didn't make it up. It's not your new truth. It's been locked in for a long time. There is a host of millions, if not billions of people who know that Jesus is God. And you need to understand this. Starts with the fish. The fish is, is actually not the whole symbol here. Um, the fish in Greek, the word fish in Greek is ichthus. This, ichthus. I, for those of you who are like, I didn't do well in foreign language class. Please, please don't go there. Please don't go there. Please don't. No, no, it's not that important right now. Ichthus is what you, just for a second remember ichthus, which means literally fish. Some of you are like, I wanted it to mean more than that. Like this, this Christian symbol has just simply meant Fish. No, we got, it's deeper than that. See, when, when people decided to follow Jesus from the beginning, it got them killed. If you, early on, like in Bible times, if you put on Facebook your status that you were a Christian, which would have been impossible, but if you had told people, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian, they would have been like, then you're gonna die right now. I mean, that's how it worked. So Christians had to be covert. Christians had to be a bit strategic about who they told about Jesus, let alone that they were followers of Jesus. So Christians, they were smart. They said, we need a secret symbol. In fact, when Christians died and they were buried, you couldn't put a cross on the stone. Because if you put a cross on the stone, if other people knew that a Christian was being buried, people would come desecrate. They would come destroy the burial site. So you didn't put your name in a pretty cross. It's too dangerous. What you put was your name and a fish. And here's why. They made an acronym out of that. Some of you love acronyms. You work, I mean, military, come on. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Ichthus 
There's the actual words. They stood for other words. So when a Christian said fish or had the symbol fish, it was an acronym to them. Jesus, Christ, God, Son, Savior. So anytime the symbol was etched, in fact, uh, there, there is, we think we can prove it. I mean, there's evidence of this, that if a Christian was trying to figure out if another person was a Christian, one, one thing they could do is they could, with their foot, right, kind of draw half the fish, and then they would walk away and watch from afar to see if anyone would complete the fish, and they would then know, oh, that's a Christian, and maybe has a Christian family, and we can meet together in, in privacy and actually worship God together. This, I mean, it, was, it was so secretive that way. But I want you to see this. Early Christians, first Christians, this is not me coming like, hey, Jesus is God. It's a new thought. No, I want you to see that early Christians thought he was God. They actually said it. They had a symbol for it. An acronym that actually locked it in. It wasn't just the Savior, which that's awesome. I'm not belittling that. We'll talk about that in this series. Not only was he the Son of God, but he was God. So it's not a new idea. In fact, here, let's just walk out what we already said. Jesus said he was God. So if you've been around Fountain Springs long enough, you know what I'm about to say. What do you say? Don't say it out loud. Early Christians said he was God. Jesus said he was God. So that puts you in a place where you actually have to decide. Remember I told you we don't like to be forced into a conclusion? Guess what I just did? I'm sorry about that. No, I'm not really. What do you say? Jesus is God. No, no. I, I'm somewhat apologetic about this. That, that just took me about 20 minutes to get to. Um, and and I, I get that. And the whole reason I just told you all of that for about 20 minutes is what I'm about to tell you. Because if, as you learn to grow and mature a, a, an understanding of, of God, you need to say, typically, now what? Well, Jesus is God. Is that the lesson? Part of it. Now that you know that Jesus is God, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God sent his son. Do you know why? Because there was a gap between you and God. There was a distance problem between you and God. And God loves you. Listen to me, God loves you. God loves you so much that he was aware of the distance between you and him. And to fix it, he came after you. Here, here. Why is this important? God didn't save us from a distance. Why do you need to know that Jesus is God? Because it proves to you that God didn't try to save you from a distance because you can't do that. From a distance, some things just aren't possible. Have you ever had a long distance relationship? Anyone willing to out themselves? Okay, come on, be bold about it, yes! If you've ever had a long distance relationship, here's what you know, it wasn't the easiest thing you've done in your life. Most of us would say, you know what, I mean it was fine, we learned to communicating stuff and it was good for us. But typically, healthy people will say, 
The distance was fine, but it was better when there wasn't distance. Most healthy relationships at some point begin to look for the option of not having distance. Because a relationship for it to thrive, for it to thrive, needs the distance dealt with. And why is it a big deal to you that Jesus is God? What it means is that God created you and saw you, intervened in your life. Listen, you didn't save yourself. If you've ever had this moment where you felt like God got into your life, where you're you're in this moment going, I kind of sensed the presence of God. God initiated that. If you've ever decided to follow Jesus and have the forgiveness of your sins, you didn't launch that. God did. Any kind of intervention, miracle in your life, anything in your life that is good according to God is from God, which means he's constantly been dealing with distance. And I don't know if this offends you, but distance sucks. And distance sometimes creates more problems. And your maker was not satisfied with distance. And so instead of remaining at a distance, he shows up in human form. Do you understand how crazy it is that God himself allowed people that he created to nail him to pieces of wood to resolve the distance, the distance that your sin and my sin creates? Let me take you back to what I already read to you, but I think it's worthwhile now. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. God left the best place to come meet you where you're at. If you ever encounter anything of value and good, I'm telling you, God provided that and met you where you're at. Do you know what one of the greatest things about God is? Because it doesn't make sense to us. We haven't earned it, merited it. Have you ever tried to be good enough for God? Have you ever tried to say, I hope I've done enough good things. I hope I've landed like where I've been nice enough and held enough doors open. I hope I've not cussed too many times this week. I hope I've been like wonderful to his, his view of me, right? No, God just meets you where you're at. Christians, would you specifically listen? Just if, if you've decided to follow Jesus, and Jesus has lost um, his luster. If you find yourself almost, as we've talked about as a church for a while now, feeling lukewarm, complacent in your relationship with God, would you just remind yourself in those moments where you're not in the mood to worship him, not in the mood to be around him or to obey him or even to think about him, would you remind yourself that the distance problem was not resolved by you, it was resolved by him? Jesus is God. It should wreck you and empower you. Some of us have never invited God to dwell in our lives. Perhaps this is the moment that God set up for you to do that. Some of us have a long time ago. It was some moment like in the distance, but, but it's kind of gotten, well, distant. What I'd like to do, I'd like for us just to spend some time in prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The, the sole purpose being to free you up from distraction. 
I don't know where you are at regarding how much you think about Jesus. I don't know how much obedience has been happening between what Jesus has asked you to do and what you've actually done. I don't know if right now you would describe a relationship with Jesus as being rather distant. But why not let him interrupt your life now? If you've never invited him in, go ahead and do so. Just say, I don't want this distance to be here, God. Come into my life. Whatever you talk to God about, I'd like to pray over you, though. God, thank you for meeting us in this moment where we are at. Oh, God, I, I, I can imagine that many of us are coming from different settings, thinking about different things, yet you know every detail of our lives and you continue to pursue us. God, I'm sorry, at least in my life, I, I bet others would feel the same of the moments that I've created distance between you and I. God, would you forgive us of those moments? Lord, for those who have never welcomed you in, would you, if they invite you, just walk right in? Lord, we have so much to learn in the midst of focusing on you. Would you help us be open to it? Change us as a church, as individuals, Lord. Um, help us to know who you really are. Thank you for sending Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen.